With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Making Latina to Latina has been an incredible ride so far. Now we want to bring you closer to the show by deepening our connection on Patreon. Your monthly support of $5 or $20 or whatever's in your heart to give helps us find new ways to connect and bring together this awesome community. Plus, we have extra perks for Patreon members, everything from early access to the podcast to one-on-one coaching sessions with me or Juleka. Head over to patreon.com slash Latina to Latina to join us today. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Latina to Latina. Quisiera agradecer a todas las mujeres que estuvieron en esta nominación hace muchos años. Honrar María Rita, Laura Pausini y ver que soy la primera mujer en ganar este premio. That's Linda Briseño accepting her award for Latin Grammy Producer of the Year. She's a songwriter, a trumpeter, and vocalist. She fell in love with music as a child, but it would take years for her to come into her own as a woman and an artist. Linda, we have wanted to have you on this podcast for so long, so I'm so glad you're sitting across from me. It's my pleasure to be here, for real. (laughs) Thank you for waking up early to do this. The beginning of your journey into music begins with your father, and I know it's a story that you tell a lot, but tell it to me like you're telling it for the first time. It's a funny story. I was four years old. My dad told me that he fall asleep. He's supposed to be taking care of me while my mom was buying groceries. And then he woke up and I was not around. And then he started looking to the house. And then he opened the music room and he saw me, you know, trying to hold a trumpet and, made, and making like bubbles like da 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 And then he was like, what is this sound that she's trying to make? And then we remember that Don Francisco, the mambo, the Perez Prado, was one of the the mambos that the the, the show was famous for. And then I was trying to play that with the trumpet. 
And then he realized, I think she's she's gonna like the trumpet, so let me start like teaching her as much as I can. He used to be a trumpet player, and then when I was older, you know, I got into a program musical program uh, named El Sistema in Venezuela, and that's how my journey started. But it was your mom who encouraged you to go to El Sistema, right? Yes, my mom was the one who took me to the classes, to the lessons. My dad was an independent musician, a drummer, very busy. He didn't have the time to take me to the classes and the lessons, but my mom was the one who really took me to the bus and to do like a long, long trip to get to the lessons every single day. El Sistema factors big into your story. For those of us who, who don't know or might not be familiar, what is it? El Sistema is a program that takes kids in a very early age. Mm-hmm. Some of them come from really vulnerable conditions and people from every kind of background. You know, in Venezuela. In Venezuela. They put the kids in these uh, bases that they have around the city and they teach them uh, classical music. They teach them, you know, how to recite Greek music and they have like private lessons. But they train them in a very different way as somebody who is taking an after-program class, for example. How is it different? It's different because in my case, you know, we were supposed to be every single day except the weekends. After school, we were there training day and night, day and night. When you train for something like that, how does it shape your love of music? It's shaped in ways that... You don't understand it at the beginning because you're really young. You know, when I was going there every single day, you know, we were playing music that maybe I didn't understand. I was just interpreted in in a way that, you know, my childhood was like, oh, this is this is nice melody. And then when I grew up, I realized we were playing very complex music by the time. So it really impacted me in a way that I'm seeing it right now mm-hmm. in the way I compose, the way I write music and the way I interact with other musicians. Part of your musical education is formal, as you're discussing, and part of it is is self-taught, specifically composition and musical production. Do you think there is a difference in how a person plays music when they are self-taught versus when all of their education is formal? Absolutely. That's actually a great question. I found myself in a moment where I was writing very complex music when I was younger, and I was showing it to my friends. I was showing it to people, you know, who was not necessarily, you know, familiar with classical music. And I realized that while trying to self-taught myself playing guitar, you know, I was I was drive to write more simple melodies that were more mm-hmm. accessible because I didn't have the virtuosismo of playing more complex things. And that was a good thing for me in order to connect with people from different backgrounds. I feel like being self-taught in terms of composition really helped me to write and connect more with story. It's not only about how hard it is the music that I'm playing, but to connection with other people. Tell me about the band you started with your father. Well, we started a big band. Uh, I was the founder with my dad of the first jazz program that ever started uh, in El Sistema. And um, it was a very beautiful experience because I was one of the few musicians that could improvise in jazz. And my dad, you know, we just took all the classical musicians that we grew up playing with, and then we put them in a in a big band setting where we were talking about Duke Ellington, Miles Davis, Ella Fitzgerald, and it was like a whole process. It was kind of like a program that we didn't expect it would have so much impact in the Sistema and later outside. Talk to me about that first performance with the orchestra. How old were you? 
I was around 16, 17. Wow, that's young. Yeah, my father's band, it was uh-huh. like a, a jazz band. And I actually started when I was 13. And, you know, my, my sister, my, my dad wanted her to be a singer, a jazz singer, but she wanted to be a dentist. But she was so afraid. Wait, wait, wait. She, he wanted her to be a singer, but she wanted to be a dentist? Yes. <laughs> Those are really not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So my dad, you know, he was preparing her, you know, for her premiere. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make your sister sing. And you're going to play the trumpet. And then she, the same day of the concert, she said she was crying. Dad, I don't like this. This is not for me. And like, what? Now who's going to sing? Because the program was based on her singing so I told my dad I can sing her song like you don't sing in the way you're talking about just focus on the trumpet and I was like I really want to sing he was like I don't have time to rehearse (laughs) so you better do good and then you know I was in front of all these people you know we were playing really complex music but we started singing this song Triste it went amazing just because after singing, you know, I just took the trumpet. And it was something that people in Venezuela, you know, they, they haven't seen that before. You know, they're used to see figures such as Chet Baker and Miles Davis. It's, it was very unusual for them. And it was unusual for them seeing a young a young girl, you know, playing music from these old people, you know. It was amazing. I want to read a quote from you that stopped me cold. You said... In Venezuela, there's a lot of talk about the daughter of Andres or the soloist of the big band or the worship leader of this or that church. But among these three titles that were given to me during that time, there was a Linda who wanted to come out. What did you mean here? Well, being the daughter of a very renowned musician, it has its troubles, you know. People see the protections, the male protection over this girl, like, oh, this is the guy who made you. But there was a a part of me that wanted to come out in terms of music of, you know, my dad had really, really, he was really strict in terms of jazz and versus pop music. You know, he would really make fun of me while listening and and sync and, and Backstreet Boys, you know, and just living the life of a teenager, you know, like, what are you talking about? You're just playing modern and you like these guys. What are you talking about? And, you know, I wanted to write music like that. I wanted to live my life. So... After I finished working with them for the Big Band, I felt like it was time for me to show what I wanted to show. And I decided to start producing my first record. He didn't support me at all. He didn't want me. He didn't believe in that side of Linda as a pop musician, you know, writing pop music. He ended up recording the drums and he still didn't believe in the record. And then... How did you know he didn't believe in the record? Because he told me. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're good doing jazz. You know, there's nobody doing what you're doing right now in Latin America. You should stick with this project. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I want to explore my life producing. I I definitely see myself, you know, songwriting and producing for other people and doing my own stuff, you know. I think there are a lot of us who would, like, you know that we wanted to take a different path. Yeah have the person who up till that point has been our biggest fan and our biggest champion tell us, I don't think you have it. I don't think this is the right choice for you. And we'd fold. So I'm curious where you got the strength to say, thank you for your opinion, but I'm going to do it anyway. I feel like the moment where I realized that that was not what I wanted to do for a living was when I decided to treat myself after I quit economy. My dad told me, you should go to college still if you want to make a living, if you don't want to struggle like I do. 
have a career different from music and then I went to study economy and then the teachers were like what are you doing here you don't belong here and then I decided to take a trip to New York and being in New York I was subbing for Winter Marsalis musicians to rehearse I was exposed to the best musicians in the New York scene you know whether they were giving me free lessons they were like encouraging me to come to the city and then when I saw their lives and and how they were so passionate about just jazz and mm. you know keep improving I was like I don't think I'm being honest with myself and I think like I should be honest in terms of um, I love jazz and this is a huge part of my life but I feel like I can give more than that and I feel like maybe in the future I can just honor them but mm. with my own voice tell me about your alter ego Ella Brick Elabric is part of that artistic coming out. She's your Sasha Fierce. Yeah, she's my Sasha Fierce. I was 16 and I was taking selfies and exploring with pictures. And then I was like, I asked myself, what is that woman that I want to be? And then I realized that I wanted to be this strong woman, you know, being able to to not be afraid of showing who she was and not having boundaries around, you know, growing up in a very Christian conservative family, it's kind of hard to to bring up these desires to be somebody who who is not afraid of saying things out loud. So, what a perfect way of saying it as somebody else, and also not under the name of the daughter of. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in Pampers Swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important. And it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? (laughs) They do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. 
Feeling My Flow is a podcast co-created by Juleka and produced by her company, Lentigua Williams & Co., which also produces Latina to Latina. Feeling My Flow sees and talks about menstruation as an event that happens to all types of bodies and affects menstruators in different ways. How they feel about their bodies, how others treat them based on social norms, what access they have to information and power. Feeling My Flow brings us the stories of individuals and how they've been shaped by menstruation. There's Lola, a late bloomer, PJ, a trans man who gets sympathy cramps, Cass, who sparked an international conversation with an Instagram post. Feeling My Flow wants to help you start important conversations at critical moments. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit Feeling My Flow, that's feelingmyflo.com for more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You spent years as a trumpeter, rubbing shoulders with greats like Wynton Marsalis, Arturo Sandoval. What motivated you to pursue a career as a singer-songwriter and a music producer? Well, living in New York, moving to New York, you know, I got a full scholarship to go to college as a jazz musician which I was sure I didn't want to do that. But I was grateful for the opportunity of being in college. And then something that really inspired me was being surrounded by so many jazz musicians who were also doing songwriting and mm. working with other hip-hop mm -hmm. producers. And I saw the need for showing my side as a producer because there was very, very, very few female producers that I can look out. So tell me, why is that? Well... <laughs> There's many reasons. One of the reasons is that many, many sound engineers, many producers, they don't go to college and get an education for that because they, they don't see females that they can look out for. Mm -hmm. And they also think that, you know, they're not going to make a living sometime. It's really hard. You know, I grew up and I didn't have anybody that I can look out, like a female that I can trust. And... To be in a setting where there's like male dominated, it can make you think that there's not a safe space for you mm. to work in an environment where you can actually, you know, have a space for yourself. So that may be one of the reasons. The reason uh, what I wanted to be a producer, it was not motivated just because there were not enough females. I just did it because nobody around believed in my music. So I wanted to just have control over my sound. And I kept going, keep going, not thinking about I was a female or not. I was just wanted to make great music. And I feel like that's the part of being a great producer is just, you know, being honest with what you're doing. What is musical producing? Because I come from television, so I understand what producers do on the television <laughs> side and in video. But what does it actually take to produce music? The music producer has many roles in music. The music producer is somebody who, for example, if you're working with a different artist, you know, you're just selecting the songs, the songs that are right for what the artists want to portray in a record. The producer is in charge of, you know, hiring the musicians, the right musicians for the the type of sound that the artists and you are looking for. You are, sometimes you songwrite with the artists, but also you are the person who is bringing together a whole team to get a specific sound. It's more complex than I'm saying, but yeah. it's a very big role in the music industry. And many times people forget about the role of the person who gives life to the music of an artist. Can you point to a song you've produced and tell me how we would know it's your work? Eleven. Eleven is uh, one of my favorite tracks. El tiempo se toma 
I think it's my favorite song that I've produced. It was a song that I co-wrote with Fernando Soria, a great songwriter based in Miami. He has grown for Celia Cruz, many people, many amazing people. But it started just missing somebody back home and being both in different cities. It's a very personal song. And, you know, after we wrote this song, this, the whole production came to me the same afternoon. I was like, the ideas were coming, and then at the end of the song, I heard a choir of, of females, uh, uh, a chamber of female choir. And then I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to put this together. Mm. I'm here, I don't have a music studio, I'm doing all from my computer, but I'm going to make it happen. And then one year after, we were able to get an all-female choir recorded in Venezuela of amazing musicians and people that I grew up in the Sistema. And when you hear 11, you're going to see, it's kind of like my story in sound, besides of being a love story. It's just my story, my journey, you know, being in the Sistema, surrounded with classical elements. You will hear some of rock too, you will hear some elements of folk music, and that's definitely my sound. Now I just want to know about the love story. <laughs> the love story is just um, leaving your country, breaking up uh, with somebody that you love and uh, losing contact and wondering if that person is okay. I'm with somebody now, he or she is with somebody else and we're missing each other. I just hope that you're okay. It's nostalgia, misses somebody. Nostalgia gets me every time. <laughs> You've said the role of a producer is an act of resignation because it is not about you. I read that to Juleka, our executive producer, and she was like, yes, <laughs> and that is perfect. How does that show up in the rest of your life? Oh, it shows by understanding people, mm. by listening to them. I feel like there's a very powerful thing in listening and learning from people. When you're in a studio... You know, many producers that are established, they have Grammys, you know, they come and they forget sometimes why are they there for. And to me, the most important thing is to listen to the artist. That's the most important thing when you're producing something, to listen to the artist. What is this? What is that artist? What is their dream? What are they trying to say in this? Am I going to bring my own ideas and I'm going to impose them just because the record is going to come under my name or I'm going to be open enough to give them what they're looking for and, you know, and make them happy while, while having that process, you know. It's not about you when you're producing somebody. Does it then change the ego you bring to something when you are the vocalist? Not at all. <laughs> like, no, it's, my ego is still very much in check. <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, I feel that when you're a vocalist, we tend to be even more, I, I tend to be insecure. 
So I need, I actually, what I need is like more than my ego, I need people surrounding me and I need mentors around me. I love learning, so to me it's the opposite. Do you step into Ella Brick <laughs> in those moments when you feel insecure? I feel like I step on Ella Brick when I'm performing life. It's a different mm. experience. I feel more confident. It's, I feel like it's somebody different <laughs> that is performing. So in terms of what I'm recording, it's definitely Linda. I actually like, like to turn enough the the place where I'm recording and, you know, having an intimacy moment. Are you more nervous than when you record or when you perform live? I feel like I'm always nervous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I like feeling nervous because it reminds me that I'm human yeah. and that if something doesn't go well, it's okay. But I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm nervous before playing life. That moment, like, you know, the people that works for me, like, I can be the worst. Like, no, I don't want anyone talking to me. I just need to be in silence. I, I enjoy silence so much. You are the first woman to receive the Latin Grammy Award for Best Producer of the Year. That happened in 2018. You get up on stage, and the first thing you do is acknowledge the other women who've been nominated for that award. Tell me about that choice. I was honored to be the first female, but I could I could not start talking about myself without recognizing the work of very few females that has been nominated before me. Mm-hmm. I do believe in the work of Maria Rita, an amazing Brazilian composer and, and singer. She's the daughter of Elis Regina, a very important figure in Brazilian culture. Also, Laura Pulsini, we all know who she is, but many people know that doesn't know that she produced her records. Mm. She's always been involved with the productions. And being involved in a producer, as a producer in your own records, being Laura Pulsini, you know, I feel like it's time for people to start talking about her role also as a boss lady. So I wanted to honor them and to make sure the people that is in the room, they actually acknowledge that some of those artists that they know as as just singers, you know, they also are in control of their music. So that's one of the reasons and the motivation behind that. What does it say about the role and perception of women producers in Latin music that you are the first to win this award? I still don't know if the Latin industry realize the contribution of my work yet. I feel like we're going to know that in a few years. I feel like it was a surprise for many people. Not only I was the first female, but also I make it by being an independent artist. And being an independent artist right now is a challenge for many people. There is a data that is showing that 73% of the independent artists in the music industry, they're suffering from depression and from anxiety. You know, these artists are being, they're, they're fighting for the music, but they're doing it against big machineries of, you know, of big people, big labels, big names that, you know, have all the tools and all their resources available, mm-hmm. you know, to be in this industry, which is very competitive, you know. Talk to me about the decision then to be an independent artist, which is, <laughs> I mean, so what that means for a lay person is that you are not attached to a recording label. Well, I feel like I've been, my music has never been commercial. I feel like my music goes beyond that, and I feel like I'm trying to open uh, new opportunities and new fields for indie music in the Latin American music scene. And I feel like my decision was just having control over my stuff. I feel like I hate having somebody 
just imposing things to me, and I'm not saying that that's <laughs> the the uh, the case for every single record label. I have very good friends working in record labels, and their experience has been amazing. But I feel like I wanted to have the independence of showing what's the songs that I want to release, how do I want to dress, what do I want to say, mm-hmm. and also having the freedom of saying, oh, I feel like I want to direct a short film. I think I'm going to do it. Right. I want all that freedom, too. So I hear you. Um, But at the same time, I really value security. So that's Mm -hmm. what you give up, right? By not, you have to be your own machine if you're not attached to a label. Yes. I have to be my own machine. And sometimes it's really hard. But also, living in New York has given me so many opportunities. You know, there's so many options to survive as an independent artist by applying for grants, you know, even getting angel investors as they still believe in your music. And the most important thing is that and then as an independent musician, you have to do the work of, you know, knowing what your business is, knowing where you want to go, and what's that thing that you're working for, you know? It's, it's, being a, it's like having your own company. I appreciate your candor because I think a lot of us will watch your acceptance speech and be like, that's it. Linda's rich now. (laughs) Not at all. And I'm happy that I'm not. I feel like being uncomfortable keeps you working. So I'll be working the rest of my life. On another episode, (laughs) Kiara Alegria Hughes, who won both a Tony Award and a Pulitzer Prize, she's a playwright, when we talked about what those awards meant, she said, for a little while, you're hot, right? Like, everybody wants to work with you, flavor of the week, but then fundamentally, the work itself doesn't change. You go back Mm -hmm. to the work. What, if anything, changed for you after winning the Grammy? What changed for me is... I feel like I gain more respect. And to me, gaining respect in a music industry that sometimes, you know, it can be very complex for an, for an artist like me. It was something that was more price, priceless than just receiving phone calls from people that just wanted to, you know, work with the producer of the year. But at the end, it didn't happen. To me, having the award and knowing that people voted for my work was priceless and to me that really changed the way I see things and I still believe in the music I do for me there is no excuse just to saying I don't have money you can work with what you have and that was my story I work with the resources I had available and I make it happen and this was the result of it what do you want to do next I feel like uh, what's next right now is um, I'm going to be releasing this conceptual album that I've been working Mm -hmm. for for a long time which is, you know, reflecting my experience as an immigrant in the U.S. And later, I'm going to start writing music for Ella Brick. She has her own, uh, she's, she has she has her, her own tracks coming up in Spotify as Ella Brick. Linda Brisson is going to be out for a while, so get ready for the new tracks for Ella Brick. They bring in, you know, amazing music, electronic music, even reggaetons, and really nice, uplifting music. She's fun. You're fun too. I can't. I can't. I can't <laughs> wait to listen to both. Linda, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. This was really fun. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua Williams and me. Maria Muriel is our producer. Carolina Rodriguez is our sound engineer. 
Emma Forbes is the show's intern. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com and remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. It is one of the quickest ways to help us grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.